Jaspers took away. Jaspers gets your money's worth. Now, that was Sunday show presented by DraftKings. Before we get into the show, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. DraftKings, the official sports betting partner of Boo Crew Media, ready for the underdogs, the upsets, and the unbelievable action from DraftKings Sportsbook. The biggest tournament in college basketball is here. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on college hoops and get $200 in bonus bets instantly by using code Boot five Ross in studio, ah. Chaz Lido virtual. We are going to have Antonio Daniels join the show uh, here in a little bit. We're going to ask probably about 30, 45 minutes of questions, and um, we're excited to uh, to bring him on. But uh, let's first get uh, five and Ross. How are y'all tonight? Excellent, man. The intro, the last intro was so much better. I we had, to, <laughs> we had to go with this, but I guess this works. But we we straight, bro. How you doing? It's good to see you, man. Um, Lita, what's up, man? Man, it's all good, man. I'm 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 sad I, I can't be with y'all just yet, but I'm 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 making my way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't even let nobody sit in your seat, bro. <laughs> I, that's love, dog. That's love. I appreciate that. Chaz, good weekend. Oh yeah, man. I'm kicking it here. Eastern <laughs> Eastern time zone. So so I'm doing pretty good. Great day today. Great day. Good. Um incredible Mavs Suns game. I really enjoyed that. Uh but Ross, we'll start with you. Uh, they got Sacramento tomorrow, and then their next eight, uh, it's I think it's at home against Dallas. They get OKC. They get the Lakers. They get the Rockets twice. They get the Hornets. They get the Spurs. Um, these next nine games are huge. They are big. Um, the the West is kind of, I mean, the Lakers are having their issues, injuries, injuries kind of catching everybody right now. But um, we mentioned this last time. There's still an opportunity, I think, to uh, limp in. You know, I mean, look, there's still time not to limp in too, but there a lot. Of, they we got to start playing better. I mean, I felt like we saw a glimmer, um, a glimmer against Portland, and then what I thought was a really good first half. And I know we'll talk about. It, I, mean, I, I thought, I really thought, especially the first quarter after we had come out so slow for the last month, I thought the first quarter and even really into the late second quarter. Um, in the Golden State game, that I thought we played really well. I yeah. thought we moved the ball. I thought we defended. Um, second half woes kind of creeped up again. But I'm, I'm hoping, you know, you're talking about maybe six of the last eight quarters, five, six of the last eight quarters. I feel like we've played a little better. And I'm not just trying to be Mr. Optimist over here, but, like, maybe that was the – maybe there's something happening there. Um, and, yeah, we're about to get home. So, yeah. you know. um, Five, is this the make or break stretch, you know, stretch part of the season here? Yeah, I mean that's this is it. Yeah, it's for everybody, right? Everybody in the West, but more, more in particular, the Pelicans, right? I think they just need to really find themselves and really understand who they are. You know, I think, like Ross said, Portland was like, okay, they're they're getting it. Things are starting to make sense. And in that first quarter, he was like, all right, all right, they got it. You know, even versus a team like Golden State, where they were limiting threes, and the Pelicans have been really good as of late, limiting other people from shooting and. I think Golden State was like number one in one, one number one in like made threes or something like that, even without uh, Steph. And they were running people off the line, getting them to miss. I think it was really good defense, um, but they still need to understand who they are. I think they try to get in a battle of you know try to outshoot Golden State when you didn't need to. You know, a couple of those fast breaks were you know transitioned to threes and they could have been twos. And you know we were really bad. The team is a really bad lob team. 
So just finishing transition and understanding like what your team's really good at. I think that's the, you know, that's what I want this team to be better at is just understanding who they are and understanding what their limitations are. Yeah. You know, the way they have to play the winning game. Yeah. Uh, Lita, before we got on, we were talking about a guy, Kyra Lewis. Uh, he, was, he was impressed in limited minutes uh, yeah. tonight or last couple games, but uh, he's 13 of, I think he's 13 of 24 from deep on the season. Um, 50%. Yeah, over fifty percent. I like what he's, he he brings a different dynamic to the game, and um, his speed is is incredible. What what have you liked from him? Uh, one thing: uh, five worst lob throwing team in the history of lobs being thrown. Uh, shout out to Coach Mike Cyprian. Mike said something about Kyra mm, five games ago, and I can't unsee it. He calls him uh, Leandro Barbosa Jr. and he plays just like he's a blur like once Kyra I think the injury you know you know god forbid you don't want to ever have an injury but I think the thing injuries can be a blessing in disguise because I think that Kyra is used it, he's so fast he didn't know when to use his speed but now he's using his speed at opportune times like before he probably would have tried to out dribble you right and then he would have made his move, but now he's realizing I don't have to do all that dribbling. I can just one, two, like I can, I can go off the, <clears throat> I could just go off the, off the step. I'm gone. Like I'm three steps faster than whoever's in front of me. You saw that with um, uh, the end one uh, against Golden State. Uh, Draymond couldn't, he couldn't stop him at the rim. Like he, he was, he was dead in the water. I, I, I'm, I think, you know, you got to find out what you have in Kyra. You got to give him minutes. Um, I, I think that Kyra is probably gonna surprise us with what he can do, and like you said, he's shooting fifty percent from three. So it's like, you know, he's getting to the rim and he's making threes. Like what? <laughs> like with a team that's struggling on offense, it seems like you would probably want to lean into that. Yeah, he's. I mean, yeah, I completely agree. Um, Chaz, uh, you worry about JV? This is now, I think, his third game. He's questionable going in to this uh, game tomorrow. Um, are you starting to get a little bit worried, a little bit more worried about that injury, or do you think it's just something he'll get back here in the next game or two? No, I'm not, I'm not worried at all, personally. Um, because we, we've been having – I mean, Billy ain't it. I don't know. Yeah. He, he's just – he had his chance, and it, it just hasn't gone well. I think you can, you know, sew your eyes shut and draw a dart and hit 15 players on this team that ain't it. So I don't think JV, you know, is, you know, I think he'll be fine. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I don't think I don't I don't think it makes much of a difference to be honest. I, I hope he's fine, but yeah, I don't think much of a difference. Wait, 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 what could you do? Huh? <laughs> I'm saying you can, you can like sew your eyes shut and throw like a dart, and you'll hit. Like anyone on this roster, and you was like, Yeah, you know, he ain't really, he ain't really, he ain't really contributing. Well, I don't subscribe necessarily to that nonsense. I do think that that's a valid point. That I don't, does it make a difference? Like, does JV make a difference? Well, like, with the way no more conceptual, no no more conceptual if, if, if we did that or if we did, but like, with the way we play, does it make a difference? That's the key. Okay, that's the key because, because you play like we're him. seventy games. We're like sixty-five games in. Like we yeah, we play yeah. how we play. Yeah, like yeah. no more. If we did this, and you're like you can't say that anymore because well, like we're not gonna do it. Well, like my objection is really because we play differently every time. 
defense yeah. is always how we gonna play exactly. That's what I think. My uh, thing is how do we play? How we like, play? That's yeah, the thing. yeah. And even well, Larry Nance again alluded to you know when we talked on Chris Connors' spaces is you know what does this team do? What is what is this identity? Well, I feel, well, can Larry, I say this? Well, before I want because Larry also did say that it, it takes time adjusting to new, you know, one guy comes, one guy comes back, the other guy gets injured, they both get injured. I mean, I, listen, five, I, I, I know how you feel about that, but you know, coming from Larry Nance, you know, they've had not, trouble adjusting to different lineups. Not disputing that, but JV is a guy who is not often injured. So, yeah. no, that, right. I mean, he, yeah. While we're talking about how we play and getting a little bit of an identity back, and I feel like at least in the last two games, we have looked more like the stretch run of last year than we have at any point in the last month or so. With basically, I mean, there were points of the Portland game and definitely even as we were trying to get back into the Golden State game. I mean, early on, I thought we played really well, but even on the second half where basically we were, I mean, Brandon was just – everything was running through Brandon. He was bringing the ball up the court. The ball was in his hands more. It wasn't so much of like, hey, let's try to get it to him. You know, there's 12 seconds on the shot clock. Like, we just – it was just like, hey, here. And 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 I feel like that's what we did for the last 30 games of last season. Yeah. And, I mean, it – whatever. Listen, it, it did what it did. But it I, did – it does feel like – and I could be wrong. I mean, five just said it. Like, we, we you know, crap changes every game. But – I do feel like in these last eight quarters, I've seen more of what we saw at the end of last year. I feel like we saw the ball more in Herb's hands too, yeah. Jared. Um, kind of talk about that because he's a, he was a point guard in Bama. I mean, he played everything at Bama, right? He was the f- typical five. I mean, he won defensive player of the year. I mean, he was – it was games where he was playing with one hand at, at Bama, but – Again, I think Herbs is a really smart basketball player. And you have to use – I think the, the staff is kind of did him an injustice by, like, not using all of his talents and forcing him to create a new talent rather than use the one he already – use use the ones he already has. Um, you know, give him an opportunity to kind of facilitate, right? I mean, it is passing the ball to Brandon Ingram and C.J. McCollum. It can't be that hard, right? You're just playing off of them, but you get to play – off of them in the middle of the court rather than on the side. And that's a little bit better. And you can, I mean, he's great at finding angles. He's great at, you know, back cutting people to have him screen. Like him versus Draymond was kind of good to see. Like, oh, this is the type of player that he could be like. A- Antonio Daniels even talked about that. Like Herb and, and Draymond kind of mirror each other. Like that would be great to use Herb in that, in that same field. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I guess the one thing, you know, about that game in Golden State is we did go with the small ball lineup there to close against their small ball lineup. And it, I know it worked, you know, against Portland, uh, but it didn't necessarily work against Golden State. Do you think they should still stick with that, Lito, or do you think they should, you know, change it up a little bit? Absolutely. Absolutely. I definitely do. Uh, I mean, I, I, if I'm the Pels, I don't hang my head against losing that game to Golden State. I mean, they are the NBA champs, right? Like, you kind of got to understand that. I, but I guess to the other people's point, Curry's not playing, so, but it doesn't matter because yeah. they play the same way. Every play the same way every time. Yeah. yeah. It's, just, it's the system. AD is here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bring him on in. <laughs> Sorry, Lito. I guess I... So, nah, AD supersedes anything I, I got it. <laughs> I got going on. It's all good. I didn't, I, I didn't, yeah, I just got to, uh, let me, uh, there we go. AD, can you hear us? 
Probably. Yeah. Oh, wait. There oh, we there go. go. Oh, wait. AD, can you hear us? I guess he AD. can't hear us. Might be hotel Wi-Fi. You know, Wi-Fi be tripping sometimes. AD, can you hear us? I don't, I don't have his headphones right Um. We're trying to get him on. Uh, I don't. I, I don't know if. Maybe. Okay. We're trying to get Okay. There you go. I hear you, Ad. He said. I don't think he said he, he, he cannot hear, hear us. He can't hear us. Oh, he can't hear us. Oh. Out. We may have to leave and come back in. Yeah, Lala. Let's get him. Let's get him off, and then we'll. Uh, oh wait. Yeah. Okay. Fine. So, Lido, go ahead, and then we'll get back to Ad. Can you, can, you, can you hear us, Andy? Uh, yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Okay, okay, okay. Let me see what's going on. Who's stuck here? Am I frozen? Like, yeah, no, I can hear you now. Oh, what's going on? How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's been a long day, but I'm I'm finally back in the hotel, and I'm I am great. How are you guys? We're good. Um, first off, thanks so much for, you know, joining the show, taking time out of your day, um, to talk sure. with us and, you know, let, let's get started. Um, right off the bat, you know, AD, we, we've talked about, I guess, closing time struggles, um, and, and not necessarily finishing out games. Golden State was a, uh, kind of a good example, but offensively, what have you liked and disliked from the last three to you know five to three to five games about the offense? For me, um, I enjoy when this team plays fast. I like it. And when the team plays fast, I think they're at their best. Uh, anyone that's ever played this game um, wants to play fast, you know, because when you have slower, like when you have a younger team, younger teams don't want to execute in the half court. You know, it, it's different. That, that's why playoff time, when the game slows down, you don't see younger teams win a lot. Yeah. You know, you have to be really good in the half court come postseason time to continue to advance. And for me, I feel like sometimes when the team is in this sort of position, the less they have to think, the better they are. The faster that they play, it's more instinctual than anything else. And I feel when they play that way, that's when they're at their best. And I am a fan of when that ball moves. I enjoy when the ball moves. You know, sometimes the team can get bogged down and it takes – uh, Brandon Ingram or C.J. McCollum or when Zion was playing, Zion hitting really, really tough shots down the stretch to win basketball games. So if you a great example is the Portland game, right? In the first half, B.I. had a great first half, but the team only had five assists total, and they were losing at halftime. But then you come out the second half, B.I. has a great second half with the ball movement, and you have 18 second half assists, and you end up pulling away down the stretch. So that, that's that's my thing with this team. I enjoy the ball movement, and I enjoy when they play with space uh, with pace. Oh, AD, appreciate you coming on. Uh, For sure. Not gonna. I guess I'm not gonna just talk about you know necessarily the teams. I actually want to talk about something that PG <laughs> said the other day, and we've had like conversations about it maybe off camera. <laughs> um, I think you're. I think you know what I'm referring to. Uh, PG yeah. said that you know training camp. He had, a, he had a really good training camp when he was in Indiana. It was tougher. He said his body got acclimated and he was ready for 82 games. And I don't know if you want to speak to it on Man, camera. Listen. It'd be great yes, to yes, I'll speak to this on camera. <laughs> yes, I'll speak to this on camera. Do you know why? Because I have said this on my Sirius XM radio show for years. For years. I am a firm believer. 
firm believer, and there's no data to support it, just like there's no data to support that load management is healthy, right? I am a firm believer that the reason that today's NBA athlete is injured so much is because of load management. I do believe that. And listen, the thing you will not hear me say, I am not one of those guys, you know, I'm going to turn 48 in a couple of weeks. I am not one of those guys. Uh, you know what? Back when I played, we used to no. But in this particular case, I'm going to be that guy in this particular case because I remember what training camp was like when it was 31 days. I remember what it was like. I remember what two weeks of two-a-days was like. It was hell. It was hell. But you know what? When the season started, right around Halloween, your body was conditioned and ready because it had been through the rigors of training camp, right? The rigors of 31 days of training camp, the rigors of two weeks of two-a-days, the rigors of eight preseason games. Your body was prepared. And when you look at the way today's NBA is, is um, structured, it's two weeks of, of training camp. They've shortened it. It's two weeks of training camp. A lot of times teams don't do two-a-days. And if you do do two-a-days, the two-a-days is a sort of a walkthrough in the morning and you come back in the evening and you go for a good hour, hour and a half. That I've always, what PG is saying right now, it's funny because when he, when he came out and he said that, my different Sirius XM radio show uh, producers text me and told me this is the same thing that you have been saying for years. I have felt that way for quite some time, and I think that he's right. You can't, you don't train for a marathon by running 100s. You don't do that. Right? You don't train for an entire boxing match by just boxing one round. Because you know what happens when you get into an entire match or an entire marathon, it's a matter of time before your body breaks down because you haven't prepared it for what's coming. True. True. I want to jump back to the you know, something you just said, A D, and it's a guy we've been talking a little bit about over the last, you know, week or two that I think has shown a little spark. You said that you like when this team plays fast offensively. <clears throat> Obviously, you know, I know what you mean a little bit there is both ball movement and, you know, getting and running. Um, Kyra Lewis is a guy that that seems to be getting his feet all the way back under him coming off the injury. You, you've really seen, I think, some like some jolts of what he right. can do with that second mm -hmm. unit, both in terms of knocking down shots, but really pushing the ball, tempo. Um as we move into the very, very latter part of the season, um, do you think there's more for him coming? I mean, obviously he's, you know, still working his way into the rotation, I think, to a certain regard. Probably, but, yep. but in terms of trying to get out and move and get going a little faster, do you think there's, there's more that can be expected from him now that he's a little more acclimated back into the season? This is the tough part. Um, anytime we have a, a – um, a discussion about players and rotations and who should be playing and who should be playing more. You only have, you only have 48 minutes. Mm -hmm. And when you look at this team, um, the backcourt depth that they have, if you just go through and, and count the guys that you can play in the backcourt, right? You start with CJ and you can look at Herb, you can look at uh, BI and then Coming off the bench, you can look at Jose, you can look at um, Najee, you can look at Dyson, you can look at Kyra. That's seven guys right there that you can play within those three positions, 
right there, the one, the two, and the three. You can honestly put Trey in there somewhere too, especially if you're not playing small. So my, my thing is I, I love Kyra. I love Kyra. And he anytime you have someone on your team that can bring something to the table that no one else can, that's different, right? Trey Murphy does something for this team that no one else can do. Kyra Lewis has a um, ability to pop that clutch and go from first to sixth gear like no one else can. With all that being said, the issue that you run into is minutes. Yeah, It's opportunity because it's not just Kyra that you're talking about. You know, Dyson is the number eight pick in the draft and has showed some ability to sit down and defend. He has a Lonzo-like feel for the game. But he's not in the rotation right now. So just the, the minutes and opportunity, and it's a blessing if you're a New Orleans Pelicans fan because it speaks to the depth of this team. But if you're Kyra and if you're Dyson and some of these guys that are in and out the rotation, it has to be somewhat frustrating. I've been there before. I know that feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, AD, what's up, bro? Thank you for thank you for joining us. It's a, it's a pleasure to you know speak with you. Um, I, I have a two-part question. Um, so – Ever since you know coming back from injury, Bi has been incredible. Uh, I think he's averaging twenty nine in his last nine, um, but it hasn't been easy for him. He's been he's been face guarded and triple teamed like an NFL wide receiver. What are some things, in your opinion, the Pels could do to alleviate the burden on him to have to take and make such difficult shots? And part two of that is what <clears throat> what Bi is a three level scorer. So, in your opinion, where on the floor would you like to see him catch the ball at more that will work in his, you know, work for him? I'll, I'll go backwards first. So, I answer okay. the second question first. Where I like to see him catch the ball at is when he's in range. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I know that sounds simplistic, but there are a couple of plays that the Pels have where B.I.'s catching that ball at 10 to 15 feet. So, that means when he turns and faces, he's in a threat. I don't even have to put the ball on the floor if I don't need to, Right. That's where I love when he catches that ball. It's a play that they have where he can cut baseline or come up top. And a lot of times he chooses to cut baseline off of that screen. If he turns and he catches the ball, he's in range. First, love that. Second, um, I think it's difficult because you have an opportunity, if you're an opponent, to put your best defender, most physical defender, on Brandon Ingram. This is why stars are so important. Because there is a, um, there's a pecking order to this. So when you have someone like Zion, it's not like, okay, now we can start going back to games that we just played. The Golden State game, what they told Jonathan Kaminga was go out there, be as physical as you possibly can, cut down on B.I.'s touches, right? Be as physical, push, hold, grab, frustrate him. And you can tell as the game went on, that kind of wore B.I. down a little bit. But when you don't have Zion out there to alleviate some of that offensive responsibility, it makes B.I.'s responsibility so much more. And then there are certain things that you can do. There was a couple of plays in that second half where they were in a boxing one. In the first half, they were in a boxing one, and they used B.I. as a screener. Yeah. And he was able to screen whoever was guarding him and use them as a screener. So I think sometimes it's, it's, it's tough because your offense is structured and ran a certain way. You have no idea when you're playing the Golden State Warriors that they're going to go out and spend a legitimate amount of time in a box in one or in a triangle in two. 
your offense isn't prepared for a boxing one or a triangle and two. So sometimes it's difficult to completely go away from your offensive philosophy and your offensive scheme to adjust on the fly and say, okay, in a boxing one, this is what we're going to do. Or in a triangle and two, this is what we're going to do. Um, sometimes this league comes down to games like that. And it's tough. I would love to say, you know, well, what the coaching staff needs to do is fill in the blank, fill in the blank. It's not that easy. Sometimes things aren't as easy as they sound or aren't as easy as they look. But let, let me let me ask you guys a question. Since, since, let's make this let's make this. What give me your the question that you just asked me? Um, not where Bi likes to where you like Bi to catch the ball, but the second part of the question: um, how Bi can be used better as a uh, as a decoy, so to speak, when he's being denied, when they're being physical with him, so on and so forth. I was gonna say, like you said, just turn him into kind of a screener and then. You're going downhill playing advantages, but Ross. He... Well, I was just gonna say because right before you came on, AD, um, you know, I made I made a comment that it feels like over the last eight ish quarters, um, I've, in my opinion, have seen us play more how we played the back half of last season, which was, hey, just inbound it to him. Let's inbound it to him. Get it to him. You know, straight under the basket. Let him. Almost turn him and initiate the offense. Initiate the offense more than having him try to run off screens and and do other stuff. It just that part gets congested. They're able to be more physical with him as opposed to he's got a good handle. Just give it to him under the basket. Now, part of that is we got to get some stops so that we can get out and run more. But I I thought, you know, it it just feels to me more like we're able to get into better stuff with him initiating the offense. I think just the lack of, of movement, right? The shots Bia is taking, right? He can get those shots at any point in time in the game. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't – I think if he facilitates, right, he's always going to end up with the ball again. I think they look for him a lot. Yeah. So if we move the ball – I mean, he scored 40 in Portland, and they were moving the ball in the second half a lot. Yeah. So it didn't stop him from getting buckets. I just think the fact that they were moving the ball a lot – I mean, he had wide open lanes in Portland. He yeah. had, he had, but, he had but, okay – yeah. But but that's also – there's something to be said about um, – you know what Portland didn't do? Portland didn't throw another body at BI no. either. No. Yeah. You know, so, so that – you know, I understand what you're saying, but it's, it's almost like the Portland game, and it was great for Brandon Ingram to get going. That was an anomaly, though. It's very rare that teams are going to allow Brandon Ingram the opportunity to play one-on-one. That's Idiot. rarely going to happen. Oh, on, on this topic, because I tweeted huh? something out um, earlier today, but the way Brandon was getting guarded, right? He was, it was physical. Kaminga was very physical. Um, mm-hmm. And there was a play where Clay Thompson clearly two hand shoves Trey right into the chest, no call. Uh, and then Brandon, I think there in the fourth, kind of clears out Kaminga flops. And it's an offensive mm-hmm. foul. Uh, d- d- a lot of people, though, responded saying Brandon needs to start flopping more. W- what are your thoughts on that acting? Listen. Like Lucas okay. and all the, like, bookers, okay. like those guys. You know, I'm going to tell you what's crazy is I've been saying for years, people get so mad at LeBron James for flopping. People get pissed at LeBron for flopping. But you know what happens if he doesn't, if he doesn't flop? He doesn't get a call. Yep. Because the fact of the matter is, and, and we can all attest to this being in New Orleans. I can attest to this from what they allowed us to get away with on Shaquille O'Neal. What they allowed us to get, get away with on LeBron James. If you're bigger and you're stronger, officials expect you to play through more. 
So if you're going from point A to point B, let's use Zion. If he's going from point A to point B, give me somebody in this league that's going to move him off that line. It's not going to happen. We see it all the time. When you slow things down and you look at it, guys are pushing with all their weight against Zion, but it's not a foul. But now mm-hmm. you watch a game with a Trey Young or someone that's thinner in stature, a Steph Curry, and they're on that point A to point B line, and they're pushed off that line, and it's a foul. So, I, I, you know, I hate telling guys, you know what, you need to start flopping because – but that's what's, that's what's <laughs> rewarded. Yeah. That's the part that sucks. That's what, like, I, I'm going to tell you the, the, the difference because, you know what, I, when I was in the airport, I saw the tweet. And you know the difference in the two plays, though, in the two plays that you tweeted out? Look at the defender. So, Clay Thompson pushes Trey Murphy, right? And Brandon Ingram pushes Jonathan Kaminga. Trey Murphy went back a foot and a half. Jonathan Kaminga fell 10 to 15 feet and mm-hmm. received the call. Mm-hmm. So the difference is the way that they made it look to the official. Jonathan Kaminga sold it. And what you're taught is, you know what, you have to play through contact. And that's what some of the guys from the Pelicans are doing. Like, why would I fall? If I fall, they throw it to Clay Thompson, he gets a layup and he doesn't receive the benefit of a whistle. What upset me about the call with Brandon Ingram was the fact that they caught the third foul. So they allowed Jonathan Kaminga to hold, no call, grab, no call, and then the moment that B.I. discards him, they make that call. So mm-hmm. it's just the inconsistency of the whistle. If you stop the first two, we don't even get to the third foul. So can can I answer uh you 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 yeah, you, yeah. you know we asked the question. I just wanted to say so you said something interesting in the Orlando game. You said that uh basically uh basketball is not as difficult as the Pelicans were making it during their struggles. Mm. I kind of feel like I think that's the answer, right? And that it's kind of a combination of a combination of what everybody else said, ball movement and and just you know passing, like you said, playing faster. I think those things would 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 kind of help in that process. Mm-hmm. Like, for me, I feel like sometimes, and I say this on the broadcast all the time, and Greg Popovich used to tell us this constantly. Stop trying to hit doubles, stop trying to hit single, uh, triples, and stop trying to swing for the fences. Sometimes boring, simplistic basketball is the best basketball because it's the hardest to guard, yeah. right? So when I say I feel like the game is being made more complicated than what it needs to be, I'm talking about some of the plays that we're watching play out before us. Right? You get a rebound. The team is on a – we're on an 8-0 run, and we try and throw a long pass that has a 5% completion rate. Right? They steal it. They go back. They get a three-point play. Now it just completely kills the momentum that you have. So, for me, I am a fan because of the era that I grew up playing in and because of the coaches that I grew up playing for, I've always been a fan of – in favor – of hitting singles. Now, it doesn't mean that the opportunity is not going to present itself because you don't want to remove guys' aggressiveness or confidence to try and make plays. But while you're playing, you have to understand time, score, situation, what's needed, and when it's needed. You know, there's a time to swing for defenses. There's a time to swing for triples. But a lot of times in some of these games, if we just hit singles, we can beat teams by basically with paper cuts. You know, Mm. you can paper cut a team to death. Because teams don't like dealing with that because it becomes boring. You know, in our San Antonio playbook, we had about five or six plays. But there were so many different progressions off of those plays, and it was boring. Come down. 
throw it into Tim. Come down. Throw it into David. All right, if they double-team from here, we know what to do. If they double-team from here, we know what to do. Okay, middle pick and roll, side pick and roll, angle pick and roll, floppy action. So it was boring, but it was very, very difficult to defend and beat because teams had to be extremely disciplined against us defensively. AD, I had a um, two-part question for you, bro. Pleasure to speak with you again. Um, as a person who covers the team, how's, how important is it for you to remain objective and not because you know sometimes I think people may they may um challenge your perspective because they may think you're being I guess too positive or whatever but I'll think about okay it, it, I don't want to cut your question off think about what you just said though this is the culture we live in you get you people get upset at you for being too positive think about that <laughs> yeah it's crazy it's think, your opinion but yeah no but I mean just think of the premise <laughs> of that statement though like you ever been around somebody that is that is like super negative, that just drains all the energy out from wherever you are? It mm -hmm. sucks, right? Right. Have you ever have you ever been mad at somebody? Have you ever been mad at somebody? Like, man, you know what? Every time you're around, man, you really brighten my day and I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> that don't sound right. You know what I mean? Right. Like you really, you really make me look at things from a different perspective. And I it just drives me crazy. Like, no. I I'll tell you this. I'm, I'm sorry to cut your question. No, you're good. But I'll tell you this. I, I will tell you this. I think there's a difference between being positive and reality. I will never, I, I promise you guys this. And I told myself this when I got in the media. I will never sell my soul. I will never, ever sell my soul. My mom has always told me, baby, speak your truth. I will never say something I don't believe. Because you know what? If it's something I don't believe, I won't say it. Some of the things that I say, I don't have to say. You know what I mean? So when someone says something about the pails and this and that and so on and so forth, and I, if I don't believe it, I can shut up. Like, I don't need to have an opinion on it. Everything that I say, I truly do. And here's the thing. I am not just saying this on this platform, on, on Valley Sports New Orleans. I'm saying Everything I'm saying on Valley Sports New Orleans, I'm saying on my SiriusXM radio show, I have many different national platforms that I do a weekly spot with that I'm saying all the same thing. So it's not like I'm trying to butter up the Pels fans. Mm -hmm. I am saying something that I truly believe and I will stand on and I will stand on that and die on that hill. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. That's the thing. I, I am not curing cancer. You know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not saving lives. This is actually a job where I can actually afford to be wrong. Right. So if I say something and it doesn't, pan out that way. It's like so many different people are saying the wrong thing so they can say, I told you so. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I am that I think the Pels can accomplish this to come back later on and say, I told you. Nope. This is what I believe. I said this last year when this team was three and 16 that I believed in this team because I was around them every single day. I was around Willie every day. I had conversations with Willie and I feel the same way about this team this year. The issue with this team right here right now we can all agree and if i'm wrong tell me now the one issue with this team that none of us can control is health yeah that's the that, only uh, problem that, that that's a major problem but the the second half of the question i, I think you played for arguably the greatest coach in history in great popovich mm -hmm. then you played with timmy and you, you know just in my opinion the best player in that draft class right um mm -hmm. At, at what point the Pelicans have gone through several coaches at, at this point? What like 
you know, for the most part, some a lot of the players, well, some of the players have, you know, remained. At what point is there a player accountability to, you know, help the coach, you know, get some tenure with the with the team? Because I, I think you said on the broadcast a lot, you know, this is the Stars League. So if something goes wrong, the coach is his head is the first to roll. So yep. at, at what point do the players have to be held accountable or held to a standard? Because you know, Timmy, he didn't do a lot of talking. Tim, Tim. Okay, that's an anomaly too, though. Again, right, we well, can't because Tim is one in Tim is one in a million. Uh, Tony, you know, yeah, Tony, you had a couple. No, Ad, you had you play with some, you play with some guys now. You play mm-hmm. you play with you play with some, some dogs out there, and you know, and it was a different time. So you know, a lot of guys didn't For you know sure. didn't have social media. You know, didn't have certain outlets. But you know, like this being seeing guys, you know, play for such a great organization who just went out there and they they showed it, yourself included, disproved it every night. And you could tell there was a level of accountability. There was a standard of excellence in that organization. Good point. At, at what point do we we start to establish that and hold and ask for the same accountability with these players here in this organization? I, I'll tell you um, the biggest difference from the teams that I played with where – you the players police the locker room and i mean there was obviously a standard that was set and the culture being built because remember when i got to san antonio my first year in san antonio they hadn't won a championship so the culture was actually being established at that time but you know the difference from that team and this team is better leadership and i'm not saying that i'm not saying like this team doesn't have it but who would you consider to be the vets on this team? Uh, GT, uh, C- yes, CJ and Larry, Larry probably. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you named three, right? You well, three. Maybe J- oh, JB. Jonas, Jonas. Yeah. You, can yeah. say, you can say JB, right? So you right. got four. So when I was in San Antonio, Avery Johnson, Mario Ellie, who had won two championships with the Houston Rockets, Rockets, Steve Kerr. We know what he did with the Chicago (laughs) Bulls, right? (laughs) Jerome Kersey, Terry Porter, who won, went into the Western Conference Finals year after year with with the Portland Trailblazers, right? Felton Spencer, Sean Elliott, Danny Ferry. You can go down the list, list, David Robinson, of different bets that we had on that team. This is primarily a young basketball team. This is a really young basketball team. So I agree. I The accountability part, I think that's the most difficult part to establish in a locker room. The most difficult part. Because for someone to be able to hold everyone accountable, first, they have to have the cachet. Mm, and yeah. that has to be how they're built. Avery Johnson in our locker room was that guy. He was that guy. But he had been through so much with Pop that he had that he had that behind him, right? He was in Golden State with Pop and got cut on Christmas when Pop was Don Nelson's assistant coach. So they had established a tenure, a relationship with one another, right? So Avery could come in the locker room and tell David Robinson, you playing soft. He could come in the locker room and tell Mario Ellie this or that. Mario Ellie could come in the locker room and say something to me or to Malik Rose or somebody else because Mario Ellie had two championships. It's different when you're asking accountability out of a young team from guys who are just trying to find their way in this league. That's hard 
Because what you don't want to do is force guys to be something that they're not. Now, if this is a conversation that we're having five or six years down the line, where Jose Alvarado's now a vet, and Trey Murphy's a vet, and Herb Jones is a vet, and Najee Marshall's a vet, and Dyson Daniels is a vet, you know, and Jackson Hayes is a vet, that's a different case and scenario. But remember, CJ has only been here for a year. Larry has only been here for a year. So I think that this is the toughest part of any locker room is to have player-to-player, peer-to-peer accountability. Because I tell you, Willie does it. Willie does it, and he does it well. The coaching staff, they do an excellent job of holding these players accountable. It's just tough to ask players to hold other players accountable when they haven't built up that cachet and that resume as of yet. I mean, now, I, I think that's a great point, one, because you're talking about, you know, where a team where the young guys have been in a place longer than the old guys. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's that's a crazy dynamic to deal with. But another question I want to ask you, A.D., uh, I like to talk about the team when they don't see their advantages. And one mm-hmm. of those advantages I always like to point out is Jonas Valanciunas. And I know he's hurt right now, but I don't think the team usually plays through him when he's on the court. So when he's on the defensive end, it's almost like a liability, but you're not gaining anything on the offensive end. Is there anything to that? Or do you think, I mean, you and you and Joe kind of talk about it a lot in a sense. Right. Well, you know, a a guy sent me a thing on on Twitter the other day. Um, I don't even know what game it was after. I think it was after the next game. And obviously frustration was high. And he said, you know what, AD, you need to stop banging this Jonas drum. It's getting tired. You know, blah, blah, blah. Like, all right, well, I, I understand your frustration. It's a little bit misplaced, but I get it. I, I no, I, I, I am a firm believer. I like when the team plays fast. But again, I'm okay with going old school. And Willie will do it from time to time. He will do it. He will throw that ball into Jonas and allow Jonas to go to work. And I think a lot of times when we watch games, it's easy to say, well, the coach isn't, and the coach isn't. And for me, sometimes I think that falls on the players' shoulders too. There are certain things that you have to recognize on the fly. Recognize when there's a mismatch. You know, I know, obviously, San Antonio was a completely different situation. First play, we used to always go to Tim. We used to go to Tim or David. Go to Tim. I was having a conversation with um, a, a, a former opponent of mine. And what he told me is there was a particular player that – wasn't really a threat at the center position, but they used to go to him at the start of every game. Every game. The first play was always to him, no matter what. Because he knew he wasn't going to get a lot of shots. Six, seven shots, but the first play was to him. And if he scored on that first play, you know what? He was going to run a little harder. (laughs) He was going to defend a little better. He was going to communicate a little bit more. He was going to screen a little bit harder. You know, so that's more why I'm always banging the Jonas Valanciunas drum because I understand and know what it feels like for a big to get out there and just kind of be running up and down. Like you want touches. You want to feel like you're involved because I tell you the things that other teams will do, teams are going to go at you defensively. They're going to put you in screening situations. They're going to put you in pick and roll situations, dribble handoff situations, down screen situations and force you to move your feet. So what you would like on the other end just give me a touch or two to feel involved because we've seen when Jonas feels involved, what it does for this team. AD, I, um, I'm Jonas. Uh, I'm Jonas Valanciunas' defense attorney, and uh, I completely agree out. with Say that. Say it again. 
I'm Jonas's defense attorney, and I completely agree with that. Um, but I have a question about her. I have. I you still. Did, I didn't even hear you cut out. Say it again. I, I'm Jonas's defense attorney. That that's my guy. I, I fight for him every pot. <laughs> He's his attorney. I don't know. I don't know if he we, we might we might be getting choppy. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't hear. No. He, he said he's Jonas's defense attorney. He always advocates for Jonas. <laughs> I got uh, to Can y'all hear me? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I can. Okay, I have a Herb Jones. I have a Herb Jones question. Um, I have real estate on Herb Jones Island, and I'm not selling. My question <laughs> to you is: How do you feel about Herb being a small ball center and/or point Herb moving forward, so he can facilitate the offense, initiate screens, attack the middle of the floor? You guys are, you guys are cutting out. Uh, is it Lido? Okay, AD, can you okay. hear me? Yep. Well, let's switch it because I've 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 got a little bit of a different question. Okay. We're we're having obviously a productive conversation, and it's great to get your insight. And I, I but I don't want to miss something that we've like that's happened with us the last couple okay. months, right? Like we are both fans, and to a certain extent, you know, try to cover the team the best we can as amateurs, right? And mm-hmm there have been some negative points of this year where like we have been very negative on the show. I think very critical, um, you know, last year there was almost no expectation. I mean, there was some expectation because you had good players, Brandon and Zion coming into the year, but the Zion was hurt. And so there were, you know, the expectations were lower this last year. You make the move at the right. deadline, you start playing really well. That led to obviously what happened this offseason leading into the season, a lot of expectations that carries weight. Mm-hmm. And so I think, especially when that led to a really good start to the season and understanding injuries, I, I get, we get that, but I guess what is your, you know, you talked a little earlier about that you still believe in this team and where For it can sure. go. And, and I guess what, what mm-hmm. I'm, I'm talking a lot, but the question is, what is that? Right. For, and I'm talking in the very short term, like what is in your opinion this year's ceiling? What, what can happen over the next month? Right. To sort of, I okay. think, keep I turning you. things. Yeah. Okay. I, I think first, I think the thing we have to understand, if you go back to December 29th, I believe it was team mm-hmm. beat Philly and they were 23 mm-hmm. and 12. And I believe they were first in the Western conference. Right. Mm-hmm. January 2nd, Zion gets hurt. Right. There's a direct correlation between Zion being out at that time, Brandon Ingram being out at that Mm -hmm. time, and also the month of January, out of all 30 teams, the Pelican having the toughest schedule. The toughest schedule during that month. That's something people don't understand. So it's one thing to have the toughest schedule. It's another thing to have the toughest schedule when – your two best players are out, right? So injuries are as a huge part of why this team falls where they do right now. With all that being said, before most games, I sit with our opposing broadcast team, really the, the uh, analysts from the opposing broadcast team. And we just kind of sit and talk about the team. And I'm going to say the same thing to them that I say to you guys. And you know what I haven't gotten from these teams yet? Any one of their broadcast teams, uh, you know what, AD, man, I disagree. This team, holding healthy, I will put against any team in the Western Conference in a seven-game series. I don't care who it is. Ooh, I that, really don't. That's a Holding healthy. Yeah. And 
in a, we all, I mean, I think for the most part, we all agree with that. Um, I, I wouldn't argue it. I mean, we saw early in the year, I think what that can look like, but it, I can't, I can't totally disconnect myself from the fact that the core, as I think we all see it has only been whole and healthy for a very, very short amount of time. For and sure. I think that's sometimes that's where the, the frustration comes in. And I and understand so that. Yeah. And you got to start. So I guess what I'm at, right. what I'm asking is understanding that, right. Cause we're now three, four years into this, I guess only two, if, mm-hmm. you know, Willie's part of that core. Right. Um, how do you start to, to plan for you some can't. of these one-off scenarios? <laughs> Fair enough. You, can't. Okay. you cannot give me one team in this league. Give me one team in this league. And then we've talked about mm-hmm. this throughout the course of the season. Give me one team in this league that is actually planned for their stars, their right. top two players <laughs> yeah. being out for a significant amount of time and building a team around those guys. So this is a, like a little exercise we did. Go throughout the NBA, right? And look at teams that have big twos or big threes, right? Look at a team like um, Milwaukee, right? Take away Giannis and take away Chris Middleton for a significant amount of time, 30 plus games. And see, it's different when you're talking about two or three games. I'm talking mm-hmm. about for a significant amount of time. For the Lakers, take away LeBron James and Anthony Davis, right? For Phoenix, take away Devin Booker and Chris Paul. We're having a completely different, I mean, Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, having a completely different conversation. When we, um, like, when you actually put, like, optics behind this whole thing and context behind it, the, um, Zion has, has missed more games than he's played. B.I. has missed more games than he's played. Mm-hmm. When we start to have that conversation, and now you go ahead, take take Luca and Kyrie Irving away from, from Dallas for 35 games. I guarantee you they are not still in playing playoff contention. Not a chance. And in, in the interest and, of I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go well, ahead. I'm saying go ahead. And, and just just in the interest of fairness, when the Pelicans did go on that seven, um, I'm sorry, what was it the seven game win streak? Seven they did they uh-huh. did have zion available alone and i think Mm -hmm. some of us are looking for that ascension from brandon while zion is out because Mm -hmm. sadly it's kind of like unfortunately it's it's just this is what's been the case the last Mm -hmm. couple of years unfortunately and um yeah it is unfair to a degree because zion is a one of one kind of guy that's (laughs) right that's right four four or five people defending zion and he's probably still going to score but at, with this current roster iteration, um, with Zion out, what can these guys do better? And like, is do you feel like the pressure should be on them to succeed in Ooh. spite of Zion? I, I, yeah, I mean, you still want to succeed no matter what. But I think your expectations obviously change mm-hmm. when you have a generational talent that's not available. I, I'll, I'll say this: I the frustration, I get it. I get it. I'll be a fool to sit here and be like, man, I don't understand why everybody frustrated. No, I understand it. <laughs> because injuries injuries bring frustration. But you know what? I talked to B.I. when he was injured. I talked to Zion when he's hurt. Do you have any idea how frustrated they are? Like, when I tell you the frustration is shared, it's not like the frustration is shared between me and you guys. I'm talking about them as players. Zion wants nothing more than to be out there on that floor playing. Got to understand, this is a young man that didn't play at all last season. At all last year. He is so incredibly frustrated by this injury in particular because it's a hamstring. He was on his way back, playing three-on-three, re-injured himself again. And I think it's tough because 
I think some of the best, the best version that we'll see from some of these guys will happen when we're holding healthy. And by some of those guys, I mean star players, right? It's completely different when Trey Murphy's out there with Zion Williamson and when Brandon Ingram. Completely different. Because now you can see exactly what Trey Murphy was drafted for. But I am a firm believer that there's a blessing in everything. Because what this has forced guys to do is grow up quicker. Right? Where Trey Murphy is, is, is he's gotten better a lot faster than we thought he did, would. He's added things to his game that maybe he would not have added thus far if Zion and Brandon Ingram were out there. Because when those guys are out there, you don't have a choice but to tilt the floor. You have to tilt the floor when Zion's out there. You don't have a choice. So I think what we've had an opportunity to see, and there's a, if there's a blessing in this, and I am one, again, call me too positive, but I am one that believes that there's a blessing in everything. I don't care what you're talking about. And if I'm a Pels fan, the blessing that I'm getting out of this right now is we are getting great reps for these guys and watch how it pays off when you are whole and healthy. Yeah. A um, couple more questions. And we'll, we'll let you go, Antonio. Uh, before we get into it, podcast presented to you by Birdsaw Law Firm, located at 918 Porges Street by the Superdome. Give them a call at 504-523-5413. Um, AD, do you think Zion will – what is the latest with Zion? Are we supposed to get an update here next week, or do you think he'll come back before the end of the year? I do. I do believe he'll come back before the end of the year because, you know what, I haven't heard anything to believe any different. On every road trip – um, I see him in the pool uh, working his tail off while the team is at practice or the team is at shoot around. Um, he is trying like crazy to get himself back. You know, it's not like he's sitting here and he's just relaxing and not doing anything. When I tell you this young man is working, he is working to try and get himself back on that floor. And do I believe we'll, we'll see him on that floor again? I do. I do. No question about it. Now, can I give you a date? As much as I would love to. Say, you know what, the target date is fill in the blank. We understand this is a hamstring. Anyone that's ever had a hamstring issue or a groin issue knows how this works. You know, we've seen Devin Booker struggle with his hamstring for two, three years. We've seen Bradley Beal struggle with his hamstring for two, three years. Remember when James Harden messed his hamstring up a couple years back? And he said yeah. he just now feels healthy. So we have to understand the this particular injury and the ability to re-injure yourself with this injury as a whole. But yes, I 100% do believe that we'll see Zion back on the floor this season. Uh, this might be what Lito was trying to allude to. Um, Herb Jones, right, uh, he's been playing a lot of small ball five. I, I think that's a good place for him just to involve him in screens and kind of initiate the offense. Um, how do you mm -hmm. see him fitting in that? I mean, they've used him in the last couple of games, Portland and Golden State. Um, do you see the Pels using him in that in that situation a little bit more? See, you know what I like about what they're doing with Herb right now? He works endlessly on his his jump shot, the three-point shot with Fred Vinson, Coach Fred Vinson. And that's great. He works his tail off. But here's the thing. He's more than just a three-point shooter. And what I like that Willie Green and his coaching staff are doing, now they're moving him around, right? We can see over the last couple of games where he's playing at the five spot, He's not just standing in the corner, right? Sometimes he's the screener. Sometimes he's using the screen. He's an excellent cutter off the ball. Um, sometimes he's the guy that's catching the ball out of a roll situation, so he has to make plays. So just the fact that they're using the totality of all of his offensive weapons as opposed to 
him just again, things change when you're without certain players, right? Jose's out now, Larry's out now, Jonas was out, uh, Zion's out. So now things have to change. And what I like that Coach Willie Green's doing, he is making adjustments on the fly that if you're not paying attention, can easily go unnoticed. Well said. Uh, Lita or Ross or Chaz? Uh, Y'all out? I I can ask one. I mean, I know we we talked, you just kind of talked a little bit about it. Um, I'll ask one. Well, yeah. Just because you're so close to it, and and I know you talk to the guys and everything, what's what's your opinion um, on Willie Green's progression as a head coach this year, right? I mean, it's I think we have to remind ourselves sometimes that he's no 120, 130, whatever the number is of yep. games. I mean, it takes years sometimes, especially players in and out and everything else. And I, admittedly, you know, whenever you lose 10 games in a row, people start looking for people to blame. And, and you know, I, everybody is probably needs to accept some level of that. But mm-hmm. I guess I just wanted to get your opinion on with everything that's happened in his very short time here. What's what is your opinion of, of Willie Green year two? See, I think what we forget is exactly what you just said. Year two. Year two. I understand Willie Green has not coached two full seasons yet. And I think a lot of times what can happen is when last year happened and this team does what they've uh, what they accomplished. They accomplished what they did last year, making it all the way to the playoffs and pushing the Phoenix Suns to six games. Now it's almost like that standard is set. And one of you guys referenced it earlier about the amount of expectation that was there coming into this season. You know what was funny? One thing I know about this league is how quickly things change. <laughs> and it's not just the fact of how quickly things change, how quickly people's perception of you changes. Right? So when this team was 23 and 12 on December 29th, Willie Green was coach of the year. Then his team goes through a 10-game losing streak because they're without their top two guys and in the month of January having the toughest record, of uh, toughest schedule of anybody in the league. Now, all of a sudden, people are starting to point fingers. Listen, the thing that I know and understand about Willie Green, he gets it. He gets it. And that culture, that standard that you guys referenced earlier, he understands that, the relationship building aspect. There's nothing more important in today's NBA, then coaching guys that trust you, right? Coaching guys that you can relate to, coaching guys that will run through a wall from you. And then here's the thing. A lot of times that may not lead to wins in the present, but the foundation is being set for next year and the year after. I will, listen, you want to talk about dying on the hill? Willie Green is 100% the guy for this job. I can 100% guarantee you that. He gets it. He understands it. Now, that doesn't mean that he doesn't have learning to do. Mm-hmm. He still has some growing to do. I mean, give me a player in their second season that doesn't need to learn, that has it all figured out two years in. You aren't going to find one. Willie Green, as the coach, is no different than that. He is learning on the fly, but he is always trying and willing to learn. Eddie, um, less than 20 games left in the season. Um for this team to kind of make it into the playoffs, uh, what do you see them doing differently to to kind of make it make it in and, and earn a spot? Differently, you know, the, I think the the easy answer is hopefully winning. 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, of course. Um, I think that's the easy answer. But I think that they've started to figure they started to figure some things out. There, there's been a different pop with this team um, after the Portland game. Uh, and, and here's the thing: when you're when you lose a ten when you lose ten games in a row, especially a young team, that's hard just to move past. Again, that's difficult just to say, all right, we lost 10 games in a row. Let's get the confidence that we had earlier in the season when we were 23-12. and 12. No, because this is a results-based league. And a lot of times confidence is built on winning. So you have to start putting some wins together. And getting back healthier, I think that's going to help. Um, playing at home, I think that's going to help. Role players play better at home. Younger guys play better at home. Um, and then Willie Green, the coaching staff, again, willing to do some different things. You know, this is the first time that I've seen um, since Willie's been here, them use the small ball lineup. Big fan of it. I do like it. Gives you the ability to switch one through five. It gives you the ability to be more versatile offensively, put shooting, cutting around Brandon Ingram and, and C.J. McCollum. So, like you said, 20 games left. We'll see how this plays out. But I'll tell you one thing that won't happen with me. I will not lose faith. I'll, I'll go down with the ship. I'll be that dude on the Titanic that's, that's, that's playing the violin when the ship is going down. AD, that's – man, first off, we can't thank you enough for coming on the show, but that's – you know, you're so you're so great for this fan base and you truly care and we really appreciate what you and Joel do. Uh, uh, we learn so much from you all every night, so I uh, can't thank you enough again for joining and taking time out of your day to join the show. For sure, fellas. I appreciate it. Anytime. Appreciate thank it, you, AD. Thank, thank you. you. Thank all right, Thanks again, Antonio Daniels. That was uh, that was awesome. Yeah, it was really insightful stuff right there. Um, any any last takeaways from what you just said? I was just kind of disappointed he had a turtleneck on. Yeah, man, you got to bring the turtleneck. The turtleneck is necessary, man. I think we caught him. We caught him right after a travel. So uh, you know, man, he may not he may not fly with the turtleneck. Yeah, got him a break. No, well, no, there was some good and bad for me, right? Like I, I, I he he's got. A level of insight i think that you know we don't always get right just being around them all the time but like there are certain things that are still troubling for me even after that right like that we just ended with him saying that this is the first time since willie green's been here that we've gone small like that was eye-opening for me i mean truly but, small but, like but not, you, I but you got I mean, yeah larry's tough right and you have when zion's yeah, here like is he is that really small was i i get all that because like, larry was our small ball five, five. yeah Right, there's, there's, there's a big difference high. between Larry and, and Herb, though, right? Like, in terms of, I mean, if Larry's what 6'10 right. and he's switchable, can guard right. one through five. Like, Larry was that Swiss Larry, Army yeah. knife, like, you know what I'm saying? So, it's not like, but to go truly small, where like it's know, guards, yes, yeah, well, guards. Well, also, also, too, it's his second year, it's Herb's what this is Herb's second, second, second year. year, also. <laughs> so, it's yeah. you know, what I'm saying, I, I, I don't know, yeah, chess, I mean. <laughs> when, when we have, I mean, look to me, Zion is six six. So it was Larry. When the games Larry has had to start, he's six seven. I would argue that, and oh, our nice. wings don't rebound. That's I would nice. argue that we play small all the time. Yeah, sure. yeah. I, asked that question, I asked that question. Good at the, uh, Good so, the press con- the whatever yeah. opening day press but, conference. But I do so get. You think Zion would start the fire or close the fire? Yeah. But to, but to Ross's greater point, I think his greater point is. Why are we just now realizing certain well, injuries things? are well, hold up. I mean, you're 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 out JV, you're out Larry. Uh Josh Richardson's missed. You didn't the last have, year. but you didn't have Larry until like, the last 10 games of last year. 
But then and Zion why, didn't play at all. Why would they experiment with this this five right now when you already had Larry Nance? Like Larry Nance and JV just like Larry Nance just went out a couple games ago. Like, like truly mean, went out, and you didn't I'm not have talking him. about starting a game, though. No, I mean, we're, we're talking about closing. all through the game. Like, I mean, I mean, I think it's fair. I mean, yeah, it was a good conversation. I, I enjoy having him on. Like, we, you know, look, the positivity is is helpful. I mean, we're yeah. still like, I mean, we, we need to break need out. the win, man. Hey, hey, Ross, hey, Ross, I got a question. <laughs> he seems to think that we're, we're out of it. I think, I mean, he feels like we're playing better and you know it sounds like there's some things going on that yeah. are positive so that's good i mean that's what we need we got to win like, yeah. it's a results league I, I was just going to ross's point or like or or inquiry i i think that maybe there wasn't a before we got Larry, maybe there wasn't an actual big on the team that he felt comfortable or a player where he felt comfortable playing small ball especially coming from golden state and and phoenix right like you see how that played out for them, and maybe yeah. he looking, he's looking at the roster, and he just didn't like. I mean, he still doesn't trust, you know, certain yeah. players, and yeah. I, I get why. That's so, true. so think about this: Josh Richardson played three games pre All Star break, and then was a starter, like in the second game. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he no, third game. Third yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah. He got, I got, played they got one and then he got ejected, the right? Yeah, yeah, he got ejected in the Lakers so, game. So just, just right. All right, all right. That was the second game. Of the, Second yeah, second game. game. That was his second game. Six, second game, so he started in his third. Yes, he started yeah, in his yeah. third game. So you mean to tell me that a guy can come in, take you know Devonte Graham that couldn't, that didn't start for this team, you know, fully healthy, and a guy like Najee Marshall that had been busting his ass and been producing. God dang it! Man, no, it was God, an hour and a half, like yeah. hour and five minutes. That was, no, that's it's, 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 I think we good. We got, good. He got to the uh, point where you know he couldn't even start when it was you know, necessary or, you know, a guy like Trey Murphy where you didn't have shooting and he just had a really good all-star weekend and he couldn't mm. start. Like, no, he got a starting spot taken. Like, that's crazy to me. Yo, that's crazy to me. The craziest thing that I heard on Larry Nance podcast was when Larry said, yeah, you know, this is the first time, you know, some of these guys has played with, you know, a person like a rim defender like myself. So they don't know that I'm going to challenge the shot. So they don't know to be ready to box yeah, out and so, rebound. Yeah. I said, beloved, yeah. we 60-something games in, beloved. All right, number the question what number three. What are we saying here? Question number three <laughs> on my, my list was actually to talk about rebounding. This team's philosophy when it comes to rebounding. What Explain, explain uh, certain philosophies in rebounding. So, so on this team, it seems like there's rebounders and not like a rebounding team. The gang rebounding. Like, like, like they don't, everybody doesn't go after the ball. They'll allow Jonas to get a rebound, They'll, you know, Lito's client to get rebounds all the time. It, you know, and then in that game, we saw Brandon miss a couple box out because he's just not used to, right? Because you're not used to something and you, you will miss a critical rebound. This team wants to play so fast. And I get it. And I, and I agree with Antonio Daniels because the reason why they want to play fast is because they can't play slow. Yeah. If they play slow. That's it. You talking about death by a thousand cuts? Well, they'll they'll be the one cutting themselves. Taste Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill. Yeah. Yo. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. No, I was just gonna say I asked a question two weeks ago. I, I tweeted a question and I asked, is rebounding a team philosophy or is it a player's philosophy? Like, is it is it is it strictly on a big to get rebounds or do the guards in the forward like do they chip in? 
See, my, my thought process behind rebounding is that's the one singular thing that you are taught early. It's all about one thing, and that's effort. If you right. got effort, you can get a rebound. If you got, you know, one or two hands, you can get a rebound. It doesn't take much for that. You ain't got to do much. You just have to have effort and go after the ball. This team's philosophy behind rebounding is let JV get it or let a big get it. It's not let guards get it. CJ don't go out the rebounds like that all the time. Brandon, Brandon doesn't either. Trey isn't consistent going after rebounds, and he's yeah. and he's six ten. Like these are these are. And that's my why Billy now. gets like ten rebounds. But like I feel like we're like I just cleans it out. Yeah. But I'm trying to. I want to go back to this question because I feel like you just gave the answer, and, and mm. the answer would be like, well, both. And I mean, maybe the answer is both. It's a team philosophy and and a play. Because for me, it's 100 percent players. Uh-huh. Like Josh, you you could take Josh Hart. Put him on any team anywhere in the NBA, and he's going to rip down eight, nine boards a game. He's done it every single place he's been. Russell Westbrook yeah. is going to do the same thing. That's all energy and effort. That ain't. It I, don't matter who the coach is. Like I think. I think. Understand though. I think understand the philosophy was for Zion to leak out though. So in he some instances, a lot. He does. Yeah, in some instances, fair, guys who have yeah. that advantage. But my thing is, even if he does leak out, there's these guys just don't play with a level of desperation. Yeah. Like again, like to five point CJ, uh, it's rare. Well, hold CJ hold is going I think after. certain guys. I mean, I oh yeah, yeah, her, like, like, her, her Najee, like those guys. Before come we in. before we get too far off the rebounding thing, because I, I, I just want to I want to close the gap on this. <laughs> Would you consider Jonas to be a good outlet passer? Like if no. we're if we're if, if the I've seen him like, throw some nice passes, but not really. I mean, like, but what but, makes it a good outlet passer? Are you talking about like the home run ball? Or are you talking about? No, I'm talking about like no. I consider like a good outlet passer somebody just like, like somebody is catching somebody a rebound and immediately Kevin Love has Jokic, feel has feel for Corey Brewer type has huh. feel for I'm gonna hit this guy. It, it ain't it's it's not throwing a home run pass every time. Yeah. It's it's understanding space and where everyone is and being able to get the ball out quickly because it doesn't that doesn't mean that you're hitting home runs all the time. Like, I feel like there are some guys that are just innately better at that than others. Take a guy like Trey Murphy. He's, like, third in the NBA in transition points, right? So a guy like that, like, I don't get the ball enough in half-court offense. So my objective would probably be to leak out as much as I can because that's the only way I know I'm going to score. You know, that's my issue, right? Because those two actually correlate with each other because you can't play slow. Trey Murphy's not going to do X, Y, and Z. If I'm him, I'm trying to rebound everything. Why? Because yeah. I become the trail guy. Yeah. You know who gets a lot of threes? Trail guys. Yep. And I just don't think the team's philosophy behind rebounding actually correlates with their half-court offense. And wouldn't that make sense to have a sniper like Trey Murphy as a trail hey, man. as a trail five? I mean, yeah. just literally think about that. I mean, that's just and I, and I get what you're saying. <sighs> I get what you're saying. It's all it's a, it's on the player. But if the coaches aren't putting you in a position or telling you, if I was if I was a coach on the coaching staff, I'd be showing Jackson Hayes a ton of Dennis Robin tape. Just like, bro, just go get as many rebounds as you want. Don't mm-hmm. even worry about scoring. Because at that point, that's when you, because you got to bridge the gap. That's the only thing this team can get better at to end the season. That's good yeah, right fair. there. That's, that's fair. fair. Well, done on that. Uh, presented by Company Burger, located 4600 for Red Street. Um, and the Rusty Nail Sidecar Bar. Uh, once again, thanks Antonio Daniels for joining the show. Chaz Lido, Five and Ross in studio, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, <laughs> the official sports betting partner of Boot Crew Media. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe to the channel. Pels versus Kings tomorrow, yeah. and then we yeah. come back and play Dallas ESPN Wednesday. Right? What time is that Dallas game? 6.30. It's an early Thank God. start. Back, Thank home. God. back home. That's a bit. So we, I think we get Dallas 
Portland OKC or flip flop OKC. Portland? There's another team. There's another one in there. Too. Lakers. Yeah. We got we, Lakers. Yeah, and Lakers. We end with the Lakers. We, we, God. Oh, we got to win. We got to win. Oh, no games. <laughs> right, we got to win those games. <laughs> Make sure y'all show out. See y'all tomorrow night. Peace.